podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. One. There we go. The boys are back, and it's our second annual yearbook show where I took, and Grant this year also contributed a bunch of random stuff I found online as yearbook superlatives. This year, as our guest for the show, it is the one, the only, the voice of Manhattan, JL Kurtz on Twitter. John, how are you doing today? What's up, what's up? It's been a while, my friends. <sighs> yes, it's been a while. Um, before we jump into it, how have you been handling the close to 60 days without sports as someone who has a daily sports talk show? Oh, good God. One day at a time, man. One day at a time. It's, uh, uh, honestly, there are parts of it that are fun, like getting to be a little more creative and do some things that you maybe wouldn't normally do um, if we did have sport. And actually, if you really think about it, it's not too terribly different from what we would normally be doing right now anyway. I think the biggest thing this would be spring football, but, you know, Manhattan, baseball season's not really going to drive a lot of the conversation on the show. Um, but that has been weird, and that's – I would say this. I'm going to give this take right away. Underrated part of all this, K-State baseball missing out on what I think would have been a pretty good season. That that really does suck. I feel for those guys, and uh, it does suck not to be broadcasting those games. So it's been interesting, but we're surviving. We're surviving. Yeah, I will say in the first handful of games they played, they ended up having one of the top pitching staffs in America. So losing out on that truly – uh, is disappointing, even though I'm not someone who is as into college baseball and I prefer some of the other non-revenue sports over it. I definitely would have been tuning in on ESPN Plus for all that. So it sucks, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they can get back on the diamond and have a good year next year. He, he was a stud. He may he may show up later on in this episode, actually. How about that? Ooh, that's a teaser right there. So – Anyone who didn't listen to last year's yearbook episode, what we did was take a lot of stuff that you may find in some of those yearbooks, all the superlatives, and we threw it all in here. Something that I don't think made it in here, and it didn't, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now as a test to show everything how it's going to go. We're all going to go in a circle. We can't say anything twice. We can do honorable mentions at the end, but it's stupid stuff like best hair I don't think this made it into the original one which it should have it's a great one so if we were to say best hair I would start off and say I'm going with Antonio Gordon back when he had his little purple stripe in his hair as my best hair then I'll kick it to John uh -huh. who would you say had best hair for this for the 2019-2020 athletic year who would you vote best hair I think partially because he's such a badass it goes along with it and helps further that aura but hard to go against Wyatt Hubert right like the long flowing locks of Wyatt Hubert as he's coming to just sack your ass he's gonna do it with some uh some long flowing hair also I dig it and then Grant you would close us up who would be your nominee for best hair I would go with Sneed yeah and uh some longer hair this year, uh, mixed it up quite a bit. I thought he looked real fresh all the time, so I'll go with Xavier Sneed. And then honorable mention, Cartier, Jada, et cetera. We would throw stuff in there. But we're going to kick it off with the first one, and we will go John Grant, then me. So the first one is class clown for this past year. You can take it however you want. You could go with someone who you truly thought was funny, or you could try to dunk on someone if you want to. So – <laughs> John, we'll go to you first. Who is the class clown of this year? Oh, man, this was like one that I was legitimately struggling with when I was looking at this. Like, I may have to, I may have to pass and come back and react to it after I to you guys. Is that okay? Can I pass the first question? Does that make me the worst guest in Bosco Boys history? No, I. there is one who is worse, but you're not starting off good. Grant, who is your class clown? Well, I know class clown is typically reserved for the funny guy in the class, guy that gets in trouble, guy that, you know, actively is is causing a ruckus, but I'm taking a different way. I'm going with Riley Gates. Um, see, <laughs> Damn it. Riley, that was going to be my answer for a later question. See, Riley Gates, um, you know, <laughs> I 
as I understand, is not going to be covering K-State sports any longer. So I figured I'd give him a good send-off. Um, and, you know, to me, he's a, he's a clown in another way. Uh, oftentimes putting his foot in his mouth, saying something stupid. Um, you know, the guy's just a bum. He's a loser. And I think he's a clown. He gets my 2019-2020 my class clown. He's, he's often um, earning that reward. So, All right. Scott. Well, he, he might be showing up on one of my answers later. Uh, but my class clown, I'm going to go with James Love. So first off, you know, he, 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 he was swinging. He get, gets his suspension for the year. But then something I observed quite a bit from my seats in Bramlage when he was there, he always was having a fun time goofing around with some of the player parents right there near the tunnel. He was scooting around. I heard he had quite the reputation for jawing with opposing fans as well. Uh, so I, I think in a, uh, in a far less harsh uh, nomination as the class con, I'm going with James Love. I don't know if I told you this, but when well, I went to the KU game, one of the, the last morning event that I went to was the, was the KU game. And I went with three KU fans, and one of them was Austin Jackson. And him and Austin were going back and forth the entire time. Like, personally, it was very, very funny. So, yeah, he's, like, super involved with the crowd. Well, well can, I get, can I get, like, some examples of what was being said here? I mean, Austin was just – being a bastard and just like fuck K-State going insane. Um, I can't really remember, but like James Love was just like, they were like straight up going directly back and forth. Like, I don't know. He was just John. He was talking shit. It was great. Okay. All right. Did that uh, give you any inspiration, John? Yes. Yes. I've got an answer. I actually, I was mad at myself right after I passed it off. Cause I thought of it right away. The guy who low key, was very funny. Like every time we talked to him, this is from a media perspective here, was Scotty Hazleton. Scotty Hazleton always had some good jokes to get off. Um, and he was somebody that like you could ask kind of like cutesy, funny questions to and typically get a pretty good response. It was actually my favorite thing with him was every time he would come in to do the press conference, we'd all be standing around waiting. And every single time he would come in, he would like walk halfway to us then realize he still had his gum in his mouth and he would take it and then walk back to the trash can by the door and throw it away. And finally, after like four or five weeks, somebody asked him like, I mean, you, you don't like have to be doing that. Right. And he was like, Oh, it's my wife. Like she gets on me every time she sees me on camera and like I'm chewing gum. And then we had like a 10 minute conversation about what kind of gum he chewed. So uh, it was funny. I think it was uh, five, like the dark blue five, by the way, if you're curious for what gum Scotty Hazleton chews. So Scotty Hazleton was always choice. Pretty, he was pretty good for a laugh, yeah. Yeah, so I a couple honorable mentions. I had Trey Deshaun from when we chatted with him right at the end of Big 12 Media Days. He was sure chumming it up, talking about Trey one sauce, and I always thought he was funny <laughs> when I would see uh, – see videos of him and then i also had less miles with his who is a state uh comments as another class clown any other honorable mentions less miles is a great one man less miles is a great one uh, well, james, james gilbert kind of funny pretty funny guy i also had in the derogatory sense of class clowns the climbing haters from, uh, you know, the meltdown to the 8-1 season. So uh, they were also clowns. So the next one is going to be hero of the year. We're going to we're gonna give John a second chance to start first. So we'll go John Grant the Miso. Who was the hero of the year? So I hope that this will fit under your umbrella as still being an 18, 19, or I'm sorry, 19, 20 school year thing. I'm going to say Gene Taylor, okay, because to me, it's Gene Taylor for having the balls to still hire Chris Kleiman when it seemed like the whole world didn't want him to, right? Because um, my initial thought was, well, it's got to be Kleiman. I mean, Kleiman was great. Um, to me, he's the star of the, the sports year of what happened at K-State, but that wouldn't have happened if Gene Taylor wouldn't have stuck by his guns and still hired his guy, even as all of us, including myself, at, at one point in time, were very against it. So I'm, I'm going to say Gene Taylor. Also, big facility project launch 
the master plan launched right before this would have uh, counted as 1920. So it was a good year for Gene Taylor. Uh, Grant, who's your hero of the year? I'm going to be a little bit outside of the rules, but I want to give this guy a shout out because he was in like national news the other day. Um, Dennis Runke. Have you heard of this guy? Yeah. Troy, he, Troy he, Kansas. Yeah, he was recently conferred like a bachelor's degree because he mailed an N95 to uh, New York Governor Cuomo with a letter saying give it to a frontline worker or something. So he was like, in 1971, he was two credits away from earning his degree in agriculture. When his father passed away, he chose to leave school to take care of his mother and his family farm. Um, was conferred a bachelor's degree the other day for 2020, and I thought it was a good story. Got K-State a little spotlight there, and Guys, the guy's a hero, I guess. I mean, I don't know. He nailed a mask, but pretty cool. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to – I'm not going to detract from that. He is a good guy. I'm going to take the easy one then. I'm going with Chris Kleiman again. First year, eight wins, demolishes KU, gets the big win versus Oklahoma, road win Mississippi State, you know, restores order versus Iowa State. Um, he, he truly was one of the stars of this season. Does anyone have any honorable mentions? Uh, you know, Skylar Thompson comes to mind just for being the guy that was like the, the one to embrace Chris Kleiman from the word go and being a guy who really stepped up this year. And even though, you know, he still had his flaws, um, he was a really good leader for the team. And I think if you're, if you're going to go with a player just based on the, the overall meaning that he had to the team and everything that happened with football, I'd go Skyler. I mean, I agree. Every game K-State won, he had a massive game. And again, I, you know, I'm not going to rehash everything. Um, I'm not going to do the Skyler Thompson haters versus Skyler Thompson lovers debate right now, but Skyler Thompson played amazing in eight games and just so happened they won all of them. So that's a good shout. Grant, any uh, honorable mentions? No, sir. All right, I'm going to throw out there Taylor Bratt, you know, best recruiting class in, you know, what, 10 years? And, you know, that man never stops. So he gets the nominee for that. So we're going to start off with Grant for villain of the year. Grant, who's the villain of the year? Oh, man. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Les Miles. Um, even though he's a clown and I don't necessarily think he's that much of a threat, um, he got himself into national news and, you know, was shitting on K-State in a television show, I guess, streaming show. And um, it felt good. He made me hate KU again um, temporarily. Um, he brought some life back to the rivalry. And I truly see him kind of as a villain now. And I think he's going to continue to rib K-State and continue to twist the knife a little bit. So I'm excited going forward, but he's my villain of the year. I was going to say Riley Gates, he's a piece of shit for targeting uh, student-athletes on Twitter and saying it's his job to do so. Um, imagine that, a credentialed media member saying it's literally <laughs> his job to shit on a student-athlete and him as a person, not as a player. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to say the Camping World Bowl Selection Committee for taking Iowa State to go down to Orlando instead of K-State. Um, I haven't seen K-State Twitter get that fired up uh, in a while. Uh, so it's, uh, that, that's who I'm going with, the Camping World Bowl Selection Committee. John, who do you like? I'm glad you said that because uh, I was about – I had the thought in my mind. I almost blurted it out during the last response. I was going to add them to my uh, class clown list, like honorable mention class clown list. Um, some clowns for not taking K-State in the Camping World Bowl. I think that's, uh, I think that's a good one. My villain of the year is Malik Knowles' knee because, like, Malik Knowles was such, a, such an important part of that offense, man. And when they went through that stretch, especially Oklahoma State-Baylor where they struggled so much, it was just like, damn it, man. If he could stay healthy and at least be a threat out there, it just opened up so much more for the offense. Like, I, I mean, I just – I think he's a huge stud. I think there's an element of K-State has not had, like, a real dynamic playmaker at a skill position, it feels like, in a while. So maybe Malik Knowles is elevated in our minds because we're not used to seeing somebody like that with that kind of athletic profile. But 
if his knee keeps him healthy for the entire year, I definitely think it's plausible K-State could win another game. Maybe two, but at least one more game and turn it into a 9-1 season. Yep. The honorable mention I wanted to throw out there, Jared Dougie, the uh, West Virginia quarterback who threw for three touchdowns versus K-State. <laughs> that was his first start of the year. Uh, he threw for three touchdowns, and that game really sucked because we had no business losing to West Virginia. And that also kind of cost us that, you know, that nine win mark and what would have put us in a position to maybe win 10 in the game. So that's my own only honorable mention. Does anyone else want to throw anything out there? Silvio, anyone? What a, uh, I, I had Silvio actually on my last draft, but I mean, I'm not necessarily saying he's a villain. I mean, he did pick up a chair and was going to smash everybody overhead with it. But uh, I feel like nonstop, he's basically been painted out of, as a villain for the last year for various things. But I think he's actually a little bit of a victim in that sense in some in other ways. But, you know, whatever. How about uh, speaking of that Virginia game, how about the official that uh, called the penalty to Sean on that field goal? Oh, right? yeah. Like when, when do you ever see that called? Like, come on, man. Just like, just let it slide, bro. Yeah, that, that was that enough. That was – that really did suck. Um, so, the next one is the most likely to succeed, and we're going to base this on the 2019 uh, to 2020 flag season. Take it however you want. Will they succeed at K-State as a professional? Will they become president? Do whatever you want. So, the number one name I had on my list, and I have a handful of honorable mentions when the time comes, it goes back to what John said, Malik Knowles. I think that this guy now has – he still has two – no, yeah, three years eligibility, correct? He was a redshirt freshman last year. Yeah, he year. kept his redshirt, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this guy has three years left. He has the prototypical game-breaker body. He has the skill. He has the speed. Um, who knows? When it's all said and done, we might be talking about Malik Knowles in the same conversation as some of those – uh, K-State NFL wide receivers of yesteryear. So that's my most likely to succeed. John, who do you got? Well, I've got I'm, – I'm debating who to put here as a actual answer and who to put here as my honorable mention answer it's because of the content that I think most people are here for is football, men's basketball. I'm going to say Joe Klanderman is my most likely to succeed. I think very, very sharp. Chris Kleiman's made it clear he thinks he's been ready to be a defensive coordinator for a while now, actually. He's just now getting his opportunity. I've been really impressed with him. I got a chance to sit down one-on-one with him right after he got the job. Um, I think he's a really good recruiter. I think he's got a great message that he's preaching to everybody, and I think he's, he's confident as hell. Like, that's, that's one thing. I don't know if it comes across if you don't know him well or haven't heard him talk, but this is a really confident guy. Um, so I think based on everything I'm hearing right now, I think Joe Klanerman's going to be a stud. Grant, close us out. Hmm. I'll pick Daniel Green. Um, he's got three years left of playing time. He's shown flashes of, um, you know, elite ability to create havoc. Uh, I really like him. I think we've talked about him many times in the past that he has great potential to become, honestly, the next uh, great K-State linebacker. And I see that. I see that in him. So, it's going to happen. Daniel Green. My two honorable mention shouts I'm going to give to Montavious Murphy and Dejuan Gordon. Both of them, when they were healthy, showed signs and potential of what we wanted them to be. For one reason or another, neither one of them could really be consistent in bringing that game in, game out, especially once we got to Big 12 play. But we saw enough from them when they were healthy and playing that I still have those super high hopes for them, and I think they will achieve it. Uh, John, who was your honorable mention that you flirted with giving as your official nomination? Yeah, I'd say Pete Hughes. Um, I am continually really impressed with him as K-State's baseball coach. Um, Obviously, I'm close to the program. I understand that there's going to be some bias there and being inclined to believe that he's a stud. But you mentioned the pitching staff, man. I mean, they were a top 10 pitching staff in the country. through what they had shown so far, and like to understand the depth of K-State's talent problem when he took over, to be able to get there 
in just over a year is incredible. And he is just somebody that has a, he's kind of, I think he's a little bit climbing esque in that the program needed a breath of fresh air really badly. And they needed like a player's coach who's going to love the guys up and really believe in them. And that's what he has been since he came here and his vision, like with the facilities project, like he's pretty demanding um, as far as what he wants facility wise and being able to compete. And he's really pushing the envelope as far as that's concerned. So I think he's going to do a really good job uh, once we get baseball back up and going again. So I, Pete Hughes will be my honorable. Luckily, the folks who might crucify you for that don't listen to this show. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you have that going for you. Grant, do you have any uh, honorable mentions you want to throw out there? I do not, sir. Man, you really just came with one name for all of this. Let me be honest. I'm shook. Just woke up from three-hour nap, 30 minutes late to this Zoom meeting. So I, I'm just I'm a little shook. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty on par for – my own know, fault the last i'm working through it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i had like a list of everything written out i emailed to myself and it came blank so fuck you know i'm just not prepared now i'm just scrambling through this <laughs> well you know it is what it is so the next one is going to be favorite coach uh for this will also accept grad assistants assistant coaches anyone who is technically under the coaching umbrella um, so I think who went first last time? Was it me? So I think yes. we're back to John. Who's your favorite coach from the 2019-2020 season? Well, I'm glad that I get to go first because I feel like this is going to be one of the most popular choices off the board. Like if we were doing a an assistant coach draft. Um, but Van Malone, uh, really fun guy to talk to, incredibly charismatic and wise. He, he strikes this great balance between being super charismatic and you can see why he's just an excellent recruiter um, always has a good joke or two, sometimes at his own expense, sometimes at the media's expense, but at the same time, he just, he has this, he's like a wise old sage, you know, he just, he comes across like he has really good wisdom and knowledge and smart things to say, insightful things to say at all times. And uh, I appreciate that about him. So from a selfish like media standpoint, the guy that I like talking to probably the most is is Van Malone because of that. Grant, great up. answer, great answer. So I know we have a lot of like excellent personalities in the staff due to the expansion of you know media coverage, and I think we have a lot of good coaches too. I'm going with a boring answer. I'm saying Chris Kleiman. Um, he's given me a lot of confidence back in the program again. He's helped me enjoy the program again. I've been pretty much impressed with everything he's done. Um, he's a joy to watch in press conferences because he's a pro. Um, so I'm just going to go with the head man, Chris Klein. I'm also mm, – man, I kind of wish I wasn't last on this one. I'm going to go with Connor Riley. I think some folks were disappointed with the offensive line play. There's a big segment of folks that are really disappointed with offensive line recruiting. But every time I listen to that guy talk and – He's been on a couple of coaching podcasts. He was on the Run the Power podcast. He's Every time I hear him talk, the more and more I am excited about the future of K-State's offensive line play. He's really trying to shove currently, you know, square pegs into round holes. Uh, he inherited a bunch of guys who were recruited to just run zone, just to down block. And now he's trying to get them to pull, kick out, do all this type of stuff. And in the games K-State won, I rewatched the Oklahoma game, uh, condensed version of it today, and they were just destroying this team of, you know, four- and five-star, you know, front seven at Oklahoma. When it's clicking, uh, watching those offensive linemen, it's, it's like a ballet. I, I love it so much. So uh, I'm going to go with him um, as my guy. Does anyone want to throw out honorable mentions? I'll just plug in there. I think Taylor Bratt is under this umbrella. He's one of my favorite humans in the world. Um, and I'm just choosing to put them under the coach umbrella. Any other honorable mentions? Yeah, T Taylor Brad could be like an answer for almost any question here. I mean, honestly, class clown. Like, Taylor would be a wonderful class clown. I'm, see, I'm just trying to make up for that lack of an answer throughout the entire rest of this podcast. I'm also going to go with um, – I know he was, he was just hired back. If you'll count Shane Southwell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Shane Southwell in there because not only do I really like him – 
and I've had a chance to develop somewhat of a personal relationship, just a little bit of one um, with him over the years. Um, but also, I think it's, I always tell this story, I think it's incredible, like how far he's come maturity wise from his time as a player, especially like early in his career. Because one of the first things I remember about covering K-State when I had started actually working full time is we went to this practice for a media session for the basketball team the year they won the Big 12. Uh, it was Bruce's first year. And they actually, instead of having us wait like outside, actually like let us in the practice facility um, into the courts to, to see them. And they're ending practice. And Shane like rolled his eyes at something Bruce said as they're like meeting at court, And Bruce got real mad at him. And then Shane got mad back. And Shane got like kicked out of practice. And Bruce is just like cussing out Shane Southwell, like throwing him out of practice. A very it was one of those where we're all kind of looking around like oh we're not ever going to be invited back here are we um and I just remember thinking like man like what are you doing dude like you gotta then by the end of his career Bill Self was calling him the most improved player in the league and now he's a dude that's just matured a ton and is doing a great job as an assistant coach and obviously has a bright future as a coach now so shout out to Shane Southwell all right the next one up is favorite administrator. So obviously we took this from yearbooks. So it's going to be a little bit different here. So for this, I want anyone associated with K-State athletics, not in a coaching role. So it could be anyone in the athletic administration office. You could do uh, anyone who works in the social media office. You can do whatever you want. Just no coaches or players for this one. Grant, you're up. Big Gene. I love Gene, man. Not much to add to that. He's my boy. He's our boy. Gene is an absolute stud. I'm going to go with Jay Moline. Um, again, I think, especially with football, he was always doing a great job with basketball, him and all his team. But being able to finally start doing all this fun, creative stuff uh, with football. And I'll never forget when the entire, like, you know, team of social media folks just rolled into Big 12 Media Days and this entourage just, it just signaled a new beginning of how they're going to externally present the program. So I'm going to give him my uh, award for that one, John. I like it. I'll basically piggyback onto that and just say one. Now he's gone now and has gone uh, to Colorado, but Bo job um, helping out with football recruiting, doing a lot of the graphics and stuff. He was awesome. Um, but there's also people like – so Emily Starkey is, um, like, the main photographer uh, for football and is just excellent. Like, I mean, really, really good. Um, Jay Moline, like you said, is not only someone I would consider a friend, but just, like, really, really good at his job. Um, like, Preston Kerner with HDTV. Like, that whole staff. Man, and I, I hate to start naming people because I know I'm going to leave people out. But the, the social media creative – photography video team all those guys do a really good job like you I try and tell people that all the time but I think sometimes it would be tough for people to realize like for, for K-State man for the level that we have with those people there that's why it was so frustrating they couldn't really use them for a long time especially with football and stuff but they've done an awesome job and they knocked it out of the park this past year yeah Emily Starkey and Bo Savage both were on my list you know Emily and I I've been I've had like two or three conversations with her about some of the stuff the work she does along with the entire team is just second to none and again it also kind of goes back to something I was trolled to no end on Twitter about but the amount of work and cool stuff they set up to do these uniform reveals and you know the white helmet reveal and the script cats reveals only for it to be you know scooped out by a stupid marketing email by a third party merchandise site, like it sucks because I could only imagine the, you know, Twitter would break in the K-State realm if it would, if all those plans would have been able to go through to fruition. So that's my soapbox, I couldn't help myself. So the next one is cutest couple. This can be a bromance, this can be mentor-mentee relationship, actual couples, any of that type of stuff. And, um, Man, I'm questioning whether or not I'm going to – no, I'm, I've already – no, I'm going to do it. Go Powercat makes another appearance because the cutest couple is 
their uh, COVID tweets back in March, uh, just being horrible idiots and go Paracat. That's the cutest couple. Uh, you know, you had Ryan Wallace saying that it wasn't a big deal. It was all created by the media for likes and viewerships. And then not even 20 minutes so later, true. you had Tim Fitzgerald saying it was created by the Chinese government to kill off Chinese citizens. So, I mean, come on. It doesn't get cuter than that, seeing those idiots go to Twitter and embarrass themselves. So we're going to reverse this one. I won't make John talk after me after that one because he's a much classier, nicer person than me. So we'll just buck the rotation just for this one. We'll go to Grant. I'll make you follow me on that one. I'll go with bromance, brewing bromance, T. Denson and Tajiri Smith. Um, I'm liking everything I'm seeing with these two so far. Um, they seem to be already Ema to the core. Um, they're living together. They're gonna they're gonna be a nice a nice corner corner duo. All right, we'll come back to John. I am loaded with content on this one, guys. <laughs> to step out of the K State realm for my first one because we all know the greatest bromance out there that exists in our realm, and K State played a hand in this is Matt Campbell and five losses. I mean, is there a better bromance out there that exists in sports right now than Matt Campbell and five losses? They fit together so damn well. You see them everywhere you go. Every single year, they come around, and they, they just look the same. You know, they never age. Um, so I'm going to have to give it first and foremost to Matt Campbell and five losses. I appreciate that answer. Yeah, one, I want to get one honorable mention out there. Actually, two. Uh, Taylor Bratt and Mike McCoy, uh, those two – are always goofing on each other. I enjoy seeing that. But I also had the 2020 K-State basketball team in missing windmill dunks. Not a happy uh, couple, but it happened too much not to mention. Uh, Grant, do you have any It other... really did. Yeah, it was like four of them. Uh, Grant, do you have any other honorable mentions before we let John uh, reel off the rest of his? Um, we could get Matt and Nats. Always a cute couple. Always a nice power couple. I'll throw that out there. All right, John, besides you and Tinder, what else do we got? Hey, uh, I'm going to – how about uh, topical here, Deshaun Page and Commitment? A great couple. <laughs> Deshaun Page and, and his lovely bride, Commitment. Uh, that shout- is insane, by the way. <laughs> I, I respect that kid and his honesty. If you – I don't know if you've been listening. Go listen to the show. You can hear all, all my thoughts about that. But I actually really appreciate his honesty. Uh, the other thing I would say, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, um, and I'm not the greatest at it because Insta <laughs> is probably a distant third in social media, like what I check. But Malik Knowles and Josh Youngblood have been doing a lot of, like, you know, back and forth social media stuff on Instagram, like asking questions and stuff. And I just love the friendship they have because those two are just – awesome like just playmakers and as exciting as anybody on the football team so I love the fact that uh, they seem to be really joining up together to soak in all the uh, social media spotlight that they can yeah I'll give one final shout out Denzel Goolsby and Katie Kramer from the women's soccer team they got engaged this last athletic season I don't know when they're getting married but you know some real true love uh, happening in the uh you know, Westside Stadium Center over breakfast at the uh, mess hall, whatever they call it, (laughs) athlete's table, training table. All right, so the next one, this is probably my favorite one of all of them. We'll start with John. Uh, Best dress. So we can go with your favorite uniform of the season. You can say a certain coach or player with their style. Uh, You can go however you want with this, but as someone who's in love with uniforms, uh, that's the route I'm probably going to go. But we'll go with John. What is your first choice for best dress this season? Well, I'm going to take one thing from you here, and that is that the cat's helmet thing turned into such a battle and such a huge storyline, as stupid as that is from this year. And I love them. In fact, I know, like, no one can see this right now, but I'll show you guys. Like, I got one sitting right here on my desk. Uh, the cat's helmet, I'm going to have to give – best dressed to that because listen nobody around here is paying attention to the fact that we wore those in 1988 or whatever like nobody cares all the recruits take pictures of them 
looked awesome. The white helmets were great. Yeah, I get it. You got to win a game in them, blah, 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 whatever. They were awesome. K-State looked good in losing in the Cats helmets. Grant. I have the same one on my desk. Just, just FYI. You know, I could throw it back to the last question in a different way. Worst couple narrative of losing in uh, alternative uniforms and wearing, wearing alternative uniforms and losing. That would never fucking go away because we kept fucking losing. But anyway, uh, I'll say the, the Cats hoops team, um, probably the best rest of the year. They got a set of five new uniforms and two oh, of them. So have just to- taking them all, okay. Okay. I mean, you can – well, all right, I'll take the best one. The white retro Wildcat no, script. No, you already said them all. So Grant has credit for all the basketball jerseys. I'm going to say the all-white look um, during the bowl game. I can't remember who put it together, but there was someone who did, ranked all the uniforms from every single team who played in the bowl game. And I think K-State's all-white uniform put them, got them into the top five of all bowl uniforms. So I'll go with that. I want to give two honorable mentions. J.O. on game day, he was going with, you know, the thick rim glasses, gray blazer, you know, blue slacks. I thought he was always looking swaggy. Uh, and I got to say, at least for football coaches, I liked Joe Klanderman. He, I've never seen him not rock a long sleeve uh, shirt no matter what the weather is. I think, I think that's bold. I like long sleeves even in the summer. So that's my honorable. Oh, and then also shout out to K-State Baseball. They didn't get to wear them because of Corona, obviously. But the oh, baseball yes. Twitter account, they did St. Patrick's uniforms right. If you want to see them, go to the K-State Baseball Twitter account. They haven't had a ton of activity. Go back to St. Patrick's Day. They were going to have some awesome ones. So I got, a, I got an honorable mention for once. Uh, oh, wow. Bruce with Bruce with the head-to-toe lavender sweatsuit. That looked Ooh. pretty damn good. Yeah, that was good. That was a very good look. Um, so the next one is highlight. Of hang on, the- hang on, hang on. I, I got, I got an honorable mention too. If that's cool. Yes. Best dressed here. Uh, this is another one I'm going to try and show you guys. So Taylor Bratt uh, came on the show earlier this week and <laughs> house slippers. They are uh, purple shoes, of course, where he just cut like the back heel off of. So they're like purple Nike tennis shoes, <laughs> back heel off of for his house slippers that he sent me a picture of. Uh, so best dressed. Taylor Bratt and his footwear. Uh, Taylor Bratt deserves like any purple shoe created from Nike because I think with his rise to fame, I think the amount of purple sneakers bought in Kansas also shot up. So yes. I, I think Nike needs to help him out. So the next one is highlight of the year. We're going to start with Grant. Grant, what was the highlight of the 2019-2020 sports year for you? I feel like this – Seems like an obvious answer probably across the board, so I'm glad I get to take it. Uh, beating Oklahoma for me was the highlight of the year, no doubt. Uh, probably the most I've enjoyed a football game probably since the 2012 season. I mean, it was completely unexpected. Um, the atmosphere was great. I was with an old friend. Um, easily the highlight of the year for me, beating Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I think that should win. I'm going to – go with the 2020 men's basketball recruiting class, um, which technically isn't even done yet. But again, it's the best recruiting class probably since the Michael Beasley class. Uh, Sadly, it does not also include Donovan Williams, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, So I'm going to make that my highlight of the year. John, what do you got as yours? They're as great as Oklahoma was. There has not been a more satisfying K-State football win to me uh, in years than 38-10 to 10 in Lawrence after the Who is K-State, after all the Les Miles shit this offseason. Going in there and just beating that ass was great. Harry Trotter, like K-State's rolling out their third string running back there and Kansas just didn't touch him like it's a glitch on NCAA 14 where you found the one play that works and you just run it over and over again. Uh, that was amazing. I agree with you. That was a lot of fun. I do on my honorable mention list had uh, beating Mississippi State. That Iowa State game was a lot of fun. And I do want to give Xavier Sneed's first half on senior night also an honorable mention nod as well. 
Uh, can I can I throw in uh, landing the commitment of Jake Rubley also? Yep, uh, that that's a great one as well. I that I, was awesome from so many standpoints. You know, faith in the coaching staff, just the excitement of having a recruit that's that caliber. And by the way, now he's in like the top thirty on ESPN. Uh, by the way, so yeah, landing Jake Rubley. Shout out. He is also he got he moved up to the number twelve uh, quarterback on Rivals as well with their update as well. So he keeps rising and rising. I mean, I bet ESPN ends up having him as a five star, assuming he has a good senior season. Um, so that does bring us not to, not to nearly as fun of a one, but the low light of the year. Um, I'm gonna have to just go with not finishing last in basketball, but then all the toxicity that I thought was gone from K-State basketball fandom coming back, that was the low light for me. You know, you had gone from the Elite Eight to win the Big 12. Uh, Everyone's feeling, you know, relatively good coming into the season. Whether or not we should have, obviously should not have been as bullish, but just the infighting amongst fans, again, Twitter and message boards just became AIDS. It was just disgusting every basketball game. So that's my low light of the year. Um, John, I think you're up. What's your low light of the year? Yeah, I mean, that that's the obvious one. And there are a lot of different moments you could pick with basketball. I, what, If I were going basketball, a specific moment that comes to mind, it's not because of uh, Cardi. Um, it's just because I knew, like, what you said, what was going to happen afterwards was the – cutaway scene coming back from break on ESPN and the Texas Tech game in Lubbock when it's Cardi and Bruce yelling at each other on the sideline because it was just you know I mean it got to the point where that storyline was just it was so stressful to deal with and um, everybody on either side having such strong angry opinions like you said like the infighting and when you saw that you were like man like this season already sucks there's been so much drama and all this like we got to go through this again um that's a moment that really stands out to me of like, God, this sucks, man. This really sucks. Grant, what do you got? I'll go with a specific game. Um, for me, losing to West Virginia was brutal. Um, I especially in football. Yes, in Just football. Because we did beat them in Bramlage. In that. that was one of the highlights of the basketball year. Um, yeah, losing to West Virginia, especially, you know, on the back end of losing to Texas, which was an incredibly frustrating loss. Uh, we were still top 25. We still had um, decent bowl aspirations and to just drop a game to a bottom three team in the conference. It took second to last um, was really, really frustrating, especially when we were, in my opinion, I think we were the best dressed. That's, that's it. I think that's my favorite combo. The purple homes with the white pants and the white helmet. I mean, script we looked cats helmet. script cats. Yes. Mm. Like I, I love that. I mean, probably the all white edges it, but like, I really did like seeing that at home. It was fun. And then, you know, I thought we were just going to beat the shit out of them after them going three and out and then just a bomb to Dalton Schoen. And then the rest of the game was an absolute struggle. So that was my low light. It was a very painful game to sit through. Yeah, I also had two honorable mentions. It was the last second losses, UT and then Navy as well. Uh, you look at both of those where it then also created faux controversy amongst fans. Uh, you know, the being aggressive on the, you know, third and long versus Texas and then getting beat, you know, at the end of the Navy game with that touchdown, uh, you know, while it was tied. So those are also uh, – you know, honorable mention for me, John, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah. So from football, I mean, the the right answer probably is like after the Baylor game, just that feeling of like, Oh man, like, I guess maybe Mississippi state <laughs> good. And like this team really has huge problems, but to me, like the one that honestly was like felt in the moment almost worse was just at Oklahoma state because Gosh. everyone was excited like the team was ranked like we're all jacked for this game and just an off I mean just an awful performance like never felt like you were in the game uh there was the weather delay there was a crap like the broadcast 
had all sorts of problems if you were trying to watch the game at home. Like that whole experience was just uh, very miserable. So I would add that. And then I would just add the moment. I'm sure it was on Twitter when I saw it first, but the moment when you first saw like confirmation, like, oh, damn it, the Camping World Bowl picked Iowa State. Like that, that was also a pretty damn low moment. That was a great uh, shout, Oklahoma State. Both Scott and I were there. That was almost an all, died in the fog. That was an all timer, dude. That me too. Yeah, that was died insane. in the fog, like in Emporia. I, I like had no idea if I was in the right lane. It was bad. So <laughs> that, that was gross. Um, the last one of the, uh, no, not the last. One, my last one. So the story of the year. Um, I think Grant, did you go first? So I uh, first story of the year. I'm going to say I this isn't the obvious one, but for me, I'm always gonna think back to life post Snyder. Um, you know, watching some of these games back, they would always show them with the binoculars. It was the whole, you know, Snyder bots saying, Oh, you know, this isn't how he would do things like nitpicking stupid stuff like excessive celebration penalties and the entire year it didn't matter if it was good or bad there was some element of well what would have happened if bill was still here so i think for me that was my story of the year uh john i think if you go if you're going positive the story of the year is just chris climbing in the football programs resurgence and being most importantly proving that they can still win at least at the same level that that bill was by the time he was done here with a completely new staff a completely new regime a roster that we didn't have a player that would go on to be drafted didn't have a single player that would go on to be a priority free agent signing in the nfl draft um to be able to do what he did beat down kansas upset oklahoma beat iowa state um, put together all that. That's the obvious choice for first story of the year. I think the negative one, I would even beyond basketball and the obvious of like, Hey, you know, Bruce has, has had through like another complete and total program rebuild and how poorly things went. Um, I would just say Cartier Jada and the, the saga that that was. Um, and I'm, again, I got frustrated that for a while it seemed like you know, some on the boards were associating me with like this anti-Cardi narrative. And I, listen, I think he obviously could have done some things better this year, but I don't pin it all on him. I just think the, the lack of that relationship working out, like the fact that the coaches and Cardi couldn't figure that out um, to me was the, the story of the year with the basketball season, because I had such high hopes for him. Um, I thought Cardi was really a budding star, more excited for him than anybody else on the basketball team. And just the fact that that didn't work out, um, because no matter how you slice it, no matter whose fault you think it was, that relationship didn't work. Um, that, that to me is story of the year in a negative sense. Grant, what do you got? I think the brawl for me. Um, I mean, for a period of time, it dominated like the national sports news. Uh, it was pretty intense and added insult to injury it was just a pretty all-around all hilarious thing to see live honestly I mean it was just insane it was surreal to see that um and it kind of dominated local local news and it was in the spotlight in the national news for a while so that's my story that's my story of the year yep and uh yeah honestly I think that's the correct answer I think if there was a, you know, a history time capsule about anything related to K-State, that would probably be the biggest one from this FX season. So we're going to wrap up with uh, – hey, can, can, I, can I throw in an honorable mention? The yes. selfish, honorable, uh, selfish honorable mention here is you, you guys – people think I'm kidding when I talk about, like, the music at football games and, like, how amazing it was for me to hear freaking hip-hop <laughs> at football games. Like, the first time before that Nichols game when I heard Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill playing and seeing the team just go batshit crazy in the end zone was amazing. Like, chills. Like, that – I know that doesn't do it for some of you. That did it for me. Uh, that was awesome where it signaled, like, hey, man, this is a new era. 
Well, in that song, not only is it just part of the pregame playlist, that is the, hey, the entire team is coming out for warm-ups song. So that I, I actually really like that song. I had no idea what the song was. Until, but then I, I always get in, I see them come out. I heard that, you know, after the first few home games, I'm like, I need to figure out what this song is. So I was Googling what I thought some of the lyrics were. And then <laughs> luckily enough, I got some of them right enough that it came up with Meek Mill. But uh, I agree. I, I really enjoy that. So the final uh, ones, we're going to go rapid fire. No honorable mention. Just the first name that comes to mind. If we have some repeats, then that's fine. But we are going to go with some of these. We're going to, for all of these, we're going to go John Grant Scott. Uh, so the first one, most likely to be a TV personality. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me right now is Josh Youngblood because he's really coming into his own and being like just way more confident, putting himself out there on all social media platforms. He texted me. Uh, he texted me like uh, last week, asking for a video uh, that I had taken of him like during the season of him running out on the field because he wanted to use it like on his social media stuff. Like. He's good. He's playing that stuff out, man. I'm going to say Youngblood, YB. Grant, who do you got? I could see Van Malone, like, uh, being a game show host. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I like Van Nothing football-related at all. Van Malone can do anything on camera. Yeah, he was on my shortlist. I have Devin Ankle. I think he could be K-State's version of Pat McAfee minus the pro career. Uh, which is still maddening to me that he didn't, you know, end up on a roster, uh, even for rookie minicamp. That's crazy to me. But I think he's a funny dude. He has some swagger. Uh, he needs his own, like, pre-game pre show on KCHD.TV, broadcast, ESPN+, Plus, whatever. I just want to see more of Devin Ankle. I'm not ready for him not to be in my, you know, orbit. Um, the next one, who do you think is the worst singer John. Yeah, so the the first thing that pops into my head is the guy that I could see being willing to put himself out there and sing all the time, uh, especially after maybe a libation or two would be Taylor Bratt. Uh, it's been the answer to any of these questions. But, you know, like Taylor's going to be the guy that's out there cutting up a run. I mean, I've seen a man in action at a social event, actually. It is, it is quite mesmerizing. I can see Taylor being the guy that just is – he has no fear, uh, even if he's not very good. That was, that was going to be mine. I mean, I could – I just know, looking at Taylor, that he could not sing. There's no, there's no fucking way that he can sing. <laughs> I'm, so, going, I'm going with Chris Kleiman because he wouldn't even tell us what his go-to karaoke song would be. He just wouldn't mm. answer the question. So, my guess is Chris Kleiman. I bet he actually he has, like – I bet he's actually got an incredible, like, uh, fuck, I can't even think of his name. Who's the guy that sings Fly Me to the Moon? What if he just Frank comes Sinatra? out like that and sounds no. like insanely no like way. Frank Sinatra? No. no. You, know, you, know, you know what? I think you know that. Low key, low key, who I think could be a good singer that would come out with this like great baritone voice where you'd just be like, whoa, Messingham. I think Courtney Messingham could just hit your head with like some nice baritone dulcet tones and be like a great singer that you'd have no idea. Messingham strikes me as a guy who would sing in a church choir. Yeah, so. I see that yeah. too. All right, who do you think would be the best gamer? John, I think you might have an inside track on this because I've heard you ask some players before who might be the best video game player. So who do you think would be the best video game player? I literally did just earlier this week here on a Zoom call with Mike McGurl and Dejuan Gordon, both of those two fighting for who was the best gamer. Um, I have heard some things about Mike McGurl. I think Mike McGurl is a pretty good gamer. Um, Football-wise, I don't have as good of a sense, but the ba basketball, it's like you get a more intimate feel sometimes with those guys. The one who – another name I'll throw out there that he's not on the team anymore, but Barry Brown was like a very – Fortnite, I know, was like his deal. Barry Brown supposedly was like the best Fortnite player around, so that's another thing I can offer up there. He's still posting Fortnite stuff occasionally. Yeah. My instinct for football tells me young blood. For some reason, I feel like he would be like very into Fortnite as well. So, but I think I've seen. Sorry, I think I've seen T.J. Smith or Tajiri Smith and Denzel oh, yeah. both tweeting about like 
who wants to play – somebody play me in Madden or something, or 2K. So maybe they're good. Yeah, I had Dejuan Gordon marked down. There's just something about him that, you know, I feel like he'd be a good 2K player. I also just had down Antonio Gordon, question mark. I don't know why, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> who would you most likely – who do you think would most likely be on The Bachelor or be The Bachelor? I mean, it's got to be Skyler, right? He's easily, the, easily. He's the QB. Uh, you know, he's got a – He's got a real sensitive side to him that I feel like the ladies would be uh, very, very much into. Um, and he is well-spoken and used to like dealing with cameras and the spotlight and all that. I, I think, I think it's gotta be, uh, it's gotta be QB one. His IG live a couple weeks ago, he had some uh, females who were trying to uh, become, you know, contestants on his season of the bachelor and, We'll just leave it like that. Um, Grant, do you have a nominee? Or are you just going to no, my My answer is definitely Skylar. I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, he loves to be on camera for long periods of time <laughs> talking. So he definitely uh, – yeah, that would make for good TV. I think he would be a good candidate. I'm going to say White Huber could be on the newest show they have, Listen to Your Heart, you know aspiring magician or not magicians musicians trying to uh, get their big break but also trying to find love because white hubert uh he strums the guitar a little bit what would an aspiring magician show be called um what's in my hat Ooh, uh i've got i've got another thing to add here this is i won't reveal any sources or the specific info okay i think that chuck lilly uh, the newest addition to the football staff, I, I think he could fulfill pretty well the role of The Bachelor. Well, it's now my new life goal to find out uh, the backstory on that one. Uh, so this is the exact opposite of who would be the next Bachelor. Who would be a big heartbreaker? Who's the most likely heartbreaker in K-State sports? John, you're up first. Donovan Williams? <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> Can I just go Donovan Williams? <laughs> Maybe we, we, Deshaun Page. <laughs> we accept those answers. Grant, who do you have? I'm going to Wyatt Hubert. He's giving off a big mm. Tim Riggins vibe with his uh, Ooh, long did. locks of hair. Um, you know, he's not quite Tim Riggins, to be honest. But um, he's a good-looking guy. Uh, I could see him kind of uh, – playing the field a little bit secretively i have uh harry trotter you know he might hang out with the girl but he's too busy hitting the gym up three or four times a day so um that's yeah, dude. i saw him um during at the beginning of quarantine when they still had they shut down the damn high school field uh where i was working out but i would go over there to work out and i would see harry trotter out there like setting up cones and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, man. He is that dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's busy in the gym. All right. The next one, who's most likely to cry during a movie, John? I mean, I hate to do it to my guy, but that's also gotta be QB one. Doesn't it? Like that, that also has to be Skyler. Um, you know, he's, he, listen, I appreciate it. He's an emotional guy, hard on his sleeve kind of guy. I think it's gotta be Skylar Thompson. What's the last movie you cried in, John? Ooh, boy. See, I don't watch very many movies, so I'm not a great person to ask. Um, that's, a, that's a massive deflection. Uh, maybe uh, – I don't know why this is the first one that jumps into my mind because um, it was probably like 10 years ago, but like Marley and Me. Oh, fuck off. Come on, man. It's sad. Come on, dude. Well, I don't watch uh, dog movies. Otherwise, I'd be right there with you. I cried a couple months ago at Jojo Rabbit. Should I watch that? Yes. Um, I've been my, meaning to. I one of my forgot. top five movies of all time. Okay, I'll look into it. Right, I mean, uh, it's got to be Skyler, too. He's crying in movies, no doubt. I cry in movies all the time, though. I've got, like, a thin threshold. The other day I cried watching Band of Brothers. Not a movie, but, you know. I mean, I, I teared up. I teared up watching um, when I was making that Bishop highlight video like a month ago or whenever that was, I pulled some highlights from the 90s 
Big 12 championship game. And I mean, God damn, man. Oh, I, like there is a play in that game where Michael Bishop, it's on the highlight reel, like off his back foot, throws it 50 yards down the sideline, pinpoint to Darnell McDonald, who like breaks two tackles and stiff arms a guy to get into the end zone to put K-State up by like 17. And you're just like, this is a team of like Power Ranger awards <laughs> that's just steamrolling its way to the title. And then you start thinking about it all. And I, I, I teared up. Yeah, thank, thanks for that, John. All right, the, yeah. next, the next one. Who's the most likely to survive a zombie apocalypse? Yeah, I mean, I, this is another one of those popular answers, but I, I think Wyatt Hubert is a guy just because he's so – he's massive and he's, um, he's, kind of, he's a little bit like country, right? So I feel like he's somebody that would be well-armed uh, in addition to his brute force that he has. He is on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, from where I would be in a zombie apocalypse. So I think by virtue of that, Wyatt Hubert is the answer. Yeah, who's the biggest country guy on Tyler the team? Tyler Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Ty- yes, Tyler Mitchell's a great answer. Yeah, Tyler Mitchell, he's going to be – he'll be armed as well, I would imagine. Isn't his Twitter account like Turkey Gangster or something like that? Or <laughs> something about hunting turkeys. Yes. Tyler Turkey Mitchell's- Gangster? I don't know what it is. I'll be right back. Most, I got to go away from keyboard. AFK. Okay. Well, I mean, he might miss the end of this because we're not going to, we're not going uh, it's, it's, it to. It is, it's Turkey Thug 77. Yes. Turkey Thug 77. I love it. So uh, I, I'm going to go with Xavier Sneed. That guy, he can go beast mode. He's smart. He can move without, you know, he can be a quiet mover. He's not going to bring a lot of attention to him. Self, he just knows how to get stuff done. So I'm going with Xavier Sneed. Uh, and then the final one for the 2019-2020 yearbook episode: Who's the most likely person to forget an anniversary? I, I debated whether or not to say this. I listen. I think he still counts in the circle of K State athletics right now. Bill, I know you're retired now. <laughs> I mean. That, that has to be the guy, you know, work. Cause my thought on this was like workaholic. Who's going to be working so <laughs> they forget about it. I mean, it has to be like, you know, I mean, I, I'm just being honest. I'm sorry. I love you, Bill. You're not going to make a Carlos Strickland joke with that as well. No, no, I'm not. No, God, no, I'm not trying to go there. I'm saying like the guy's just in the office, you know, like the alarm goes off on his phone. Like, Hey, it's your anniversary. <laughs> oh crap. Well, I basically said the same exact reasoning, but I said Chris Kleiman. I don't think he really would, but the guy is the head coach, and he's absolutely obsessed with working. So He recounted the first date with his wife when we talked to him a year ago, so I, I didn't put that one. Yeah. I, I went with Jack Sineen because he probably has 17 different girlfriends. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the Seawolf has multiple mates, um, so I'm going with Jack Sineen. So. That's it. That was. You know what? That crushes it. Crushes I bet Bruce. Cru- I bet Bruce crushes it on anniversary day. Oh, I yes, Bruce one hundred percent. And I believe the story with Bruce was he called from a payphone, proposed to his wife, and then asked her for money to help him make uh, a car repair. If I recall, if I recall correctly. Oh my god. I I think that's right. I'm gonna have to go back and listen. Yeah, to it's something like that. Yeah, but no, I, I guarantee Bruce definitely kills it. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a great shot. So that's all we got for the yearbook show. Um, we're going to keep rock and roll. I'm not quite sure what next week will be, but believe it or not, the end of May show, like show-wise, will be here before you know it. So as always, send us your Ask Bosco questions. Use hashtag Ask Bosco. Um, bring back Bosco. Hey, you know, go back and listen to the Bosco the Dog episode especially if you want a tearjerker towards the end. Uh, we got to keep putting on for our guy, Bosco the dog. Um, that's all I got. John, anything before we sign off? Uh, it would be awesome if you guys went and subscribed to my YouTube channel. It's John Kurtz on YouTube. Uh, we've got uh, – I'm putting up segments from the radio show throughout the week there. I got some sick highlight videos going up there that I've been working on. Uh, a lot of K-State content, uh, including an interview with Bob Bowlesby, the commish uh, from this past week, the latest thing I got up there. All right. And then Grant, as always, we'll give you the last word. Uh, plug anything. Tell us a show to watch. 
do your catchphrase and then uh we can let the fine people go on oh uh, what shows to watch uh um, you actually have to think about it don't well i just <laughs> been you're gonna tell us to watch barry or whatever that show is right dude it's a great show it's it's very very good barry's awesome you should watch it john you'll john, get a lot of should, laughs out of it you should watch hunters i stopped watching that because oh, well, i think i'll finish it eventually i just hate i hate the kid but anyways uh i mean I just binged basically Curbs season 10. It was, I was laughing really hard. I'm still keep pushing Beef House. Very funny show. Uh, that's about it. I hope everyone's doing all right. John, it's nice to see you. Uh, your hair looks nice. It's not good, get man. A I cut need recently? Man. No, I need it's a bad as, not as bad as mine, man. Look at that. Uh, but anyways, guys, stay safe out there. Wear masks in public. Blah, blah, blah. Meet me at the Cathead. Sports Social Podcast Network.